Yorkie in the pistol. Now Collins stands next to him in the shotgun. Yorkie asks for it and now has it. Yorkie will throw across the middle. Got it complete. Cody Rice behind the Wolverines. He dives. Touchdown, Michigan State. He split the defenders and the Spartans strike first in Ann Arbor. This is Spartan Red Zone, your source for the best MSU and college football analysis, picks, banter, and anything else going on in the college football world. Here's your host, Brian Collins. Welcome back into SRZ. Usual cast of characters, Ryan Collins, Eric Bott, Joseph Dandron, Nathan Stearns. How are we doing today, fellas? Jolly. Oh, well. Oh. Everyone have a nice Thanksgiving? Yeah, by and large. By and large. It was okay. It was okay. Yeah. Small, good to be uh, smaller than normal, but pretty good. I ate so much food. I probably put on like 15 pounds in about three days. It was impressive how much gravy I was just putting. I literally, I had the stuffing in front of me at the table, and that's just a recipe for disaster because I can just eat unlimited stuffing. I, just, I was like, uh, I guess I'll have more stuffing. My plate's empty. And it's right there. I guess I'll have more. Collins, are you a dark meat man or a white meat man? I like both, honestly. I don't really care. I have no, I, but I, I, I'll say I usually go white meat because there's a little bit more left of that. I think most people like the dark meat. Yeah, yeah. I'm with, I'm with you, Stearns. Dark meat. I don't think it really is that big of a difference. I honestly don't. There is a tremendous difference. I agree. And the legs, the legs are the best part. I had, we, we made two turkeys and I had three legs, so I'm happy. So Stearns, what? Stearns, you got North. I like that. I, by the way, I love that Stearns. Stearns, you got North Carolina ties. I my friends are dragging me because we have mac and cheese at Thanksgiving. That's perfectly normal, right? Yeah. I don't. I'm allergic to mac and cheese. I don't know. We no. never made it because I couldn't eat it. So, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was just asking. You're a, how are you allergic yes. to mac and the cheese? The answer is yes, Collins. It's normal. Okay. What, what's it called? How are you? Wait, are you a celiac? Is that, no, right. no, I'm just allergic to eggs, milk, soy, nuts, and peanuts. So oh, that stinks. Okay, I'm sorry. So that really, that's why he has to eat three turkey legs because that's the only thing he can eat. And, and sweet potatoes. Ooh, there you go. There you go. Are you more a mashed potato guy or sweet potato guy? Sweet. Give me sweet okay. potatoes all day, every day. Okay, but we got a lot to talk about today on Spartan Red Zone. I mean, what's going on with this mission safe team? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna dive into it a little bit deeper, but I mean, can't figure out this team, especially in a weird COVID year. Uh, I mean, national news, college football playoff rankings, nothing really changed from last week. Notre Dame went on the road and played a really good game against North Carolina. Top fours, I think the same did Ohio State and Clemson switch. Did anyone? Have uh, no, no. They were the same. So it was the same. It was Bama, Notre Dame. It was Dame, the same Clemson. top six this week as it was last week. And then AM five, Florida six. But I mean, I don't really have any like general thoughts. I think the only thing I, I, I think Bob put this in a big 10, but we can just talk about it right now. The only thing big from that show was Herbie kind of putting the Michigan program kind of on blast. And I I he was definitely insensitive in the way he said it. I don't I generally don't think he was coming from a, like a place of like, oh, people are just faking that they have COVID or people going out to get COVID not to play games. I do think there's people, and I am one of these people. Like, if I was Michigan, I would not want to play Ohio State this year. That's I I, I and I don't I mean I don't 
have the exact comments Herbie said in front of me, but I think that's what he was trying, like generally trying to do, but it kind of came off him like shaming people for like backing out of games if they have COVID issues. Herbie was, I think, dead on. I think the presentation, as you said, it's people, it gets lost because it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And people lost the general message in the way that he said it. And the fact, of course, that Michigan fans are always going to jump on the fact that he's an Ohio State guy. But I don't know. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Herbie, by the way. What's the draw? And by the way, I've been home this whole week, so I'm back to listening to 97.1. Because my dad's literally just like he, I he while he works, he just li- listens to ninety seven one to take it like on blast on the Alexa. So I'm hearing all these tapes. I'm hearing Valenti. I'm hearing I'm hearing Anderson. I'm hearing Car- it's you hear all the like the Michigan like talk in like the city of Detroit and Metro Detroit. It's just so funny because th- there's one side and then there's another side where there's the Valenti who's literally the most over the top person about it, like. I love Mike Valeni, but like him saying like that Michigan wasn't reporting their numbers, it's just like not true. He's like, he's like, yeah, they're not reporting their numbers. I'm like, they literally report their numbers every Friday. But and, and then you got Anderson and Wojo on the other side are like, oh, I, I mean, I think Hardball gets a contract extension, but I mean, whatever. Michigan's season's probably over. They're probably not playing Ohio State. They're not playing Maryland this week, and I don't really care, honestly. It's like seeing them get lose by 65 to Ohio State. Especially, Dude, I, I mean, does anyone really care that they're not playing Ohio State this year? I hate the whole, like, oh, I'm going to miss the game. When has it been a game the last, like, 10 years? Like, three games? They've had three good games maybe in the last 10 years, and Ohio State's won basically every one of them. And the best one I missed. I didn't even get yeah, to that watch was a great game. Car. That was so a very good game. That. What was that, 2016? Michigan should have won that game. Michigan was so much better than Ohio State that year. That, that, yeah. was, the, that, was, the, that was the JT Barrett slide that was uh, that they didn't think the it was spot. a first down. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even that. I mean, Wilton Spate like, lost them the game. You fumble. I, I think they – The thing that lost them the game was the fumble at the goal line. Yeah, that killed. And the pick sets, and you can't throw that. They could have survived the pick six if they didn't fumble the ball at the goal line. Their Ohio and State team was just not that good either. JT no, Barrett. and they made the playoff and got run by Clemson. Yeah, Barrett. I know JT Barrett's like one. Of, I think one of the weirdest college football players in recent history because he his freshman year, I'll never forget when he came to East Lansing and looked like almost a Heisman candidate. That's how good he was. And then he he gets. I mean, what's it? Tears his ACL against Michigan. Cardell. He broke his in. ankle. He broke his ankle. Broke his ankle, sorry. And then Cardell comes in, wins the national title. Cardell starts the next year. JT's oh, a little bit better than Cardell. They start JT, but JT like could never throw again. It didn't make any sense. Like JT, yeah, Bitter he. Was- it's you're right. It was weird. And I, they should have benched him in seventeen. That they was honestly the year. probably should have. Like he, he, was just, he wasn't the same. Ohio State in 2015. That was the year where they had so much talent everywhere else. That the quarterback matter. who played quarterback. The, well, the well, right, but the quarterback kind of held them back a little bit. I mean, that's why yeah. they lost to Michigan State. And then when they got they Jones, they couldn't throw the ball in yeah, that game. I don't know. And, that was, and that's that, what Card in the deep ball is what Cardell Jones did so well. Yeah. Right. But I mean With they Devin had Smith. I mean, they had Zeke Elliott, Michael Thomas, Joey Bosa. I mean, that's Devin just Smith. that's just naming a few off the top of my head. I mean 
They so literally had like there. the whole like New Orleans like defense on their Eli team. Apple was there. Yep. Uh, I want to say Malik, Malik Hooker, who's a starting safety in the NFL. I mean, Marshawn, Marshawn Lattimore. I think that dude was gone by then. I I actually did the numbers on this team once. 60, like something like crazy, like 50 or 60 of the guys from that roster eventually went on to like guys, not starters, but at P, general roster played in the NFL. Right. Like went the fact on that they didn't on win, team. The fact they didn't win the national championship was 100% based upon the fact that they didn't have an effective quarterback and they went conservative against Michigan State. Maybe the like worst coach football game I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, yeah, they won the playoff. Bayern. They won the playoff against Baylor. Yeah, but that was a year no, before. No, that was the year after. We're talking, yeah. That was 2015. 2015 no, was the year oh, they won right. the championship. You're right. Sorry. 2015 is, till this day, one of the most shot. I mean, I don't think, like, Michigan State was a top 10 team, but they expected Cook to play that game. It's, till this day, most shocking. I, I think, arguably, Dan Antonio's best win. Oh yeah, people don't and people don't talk about that game like when they're talking about people when somebody upsets somebody they're like oh that's a great upset and they talk about great upsets people don't talk about that game as much as they should it was I, I it, mean that the fact that Michigan State won that game is like the only time the only way that that win would be surpassed is if Michigan State beats Ohio State on Saturday. Well, I think what's it called? That team had so much hype, and then the hype kind of got lost after they lost in Nebraska, and then Cook got hurt. You're like, okay, this seems to go ten and two, whatever. And I'll never forget Herbie and Fowler going, "Oh, they're without Connor Cook." I'm like, uh oh, they're gonna lose by fifty today, and they won. So I don't know. Also, Michigan State used to have an offense, a great offense and defensive line consistently. So that's probably why yep. they won that football game. But BYU Coastal last minute, love that. Everyone, I feel like, loves that. Yeah, no it's comment, just, no comment I, from our local Carolina. Show. Yeah, come on, Stearns. I need oh, no, a Coastal take. No, I. This is the game where you prove when you see that Coastal. I don't want to say Coastal Carolina is a fraud, but when you play the University of Sasquatchin and. The Alamo school for the Alamo, you're gonna you're gonna win by 30 every time. I mean, you beat they beat what do they do? They beat Kansas and they beat uh Louisiana. That's it. I mean, they're they're gonna get run out of the building. I mean, they're I gotta say they're a front, but it's it's the same thing. When there's always gonna be one, two decent mid majors who benefit because they don't play anybody. It's like playing a bunch of Pop Warner. Football players. I mean, not to that extent, but I mean, now BYU and Zach Wilson are going to have a field day, absolute field day. Okay. Well, we'll, well, the rest of us will give our pits when we get to the pick them, but let's move into the Michigan State Northwestern game, which was one of the bigger storylines around college football because Northwestern sort of had a path to the playoff if they were going to somehow get to see Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. That's over. Michigan State wins 29 to 20. It really was 23 to 20. Michigan State scores on the last play on that weird, like, I mean, they're trying to like lateral the 100 times. And, and then Antoine Simmons or someone laid on it. Rocky Lombardi starts surprisingly to all of us. We all thought Payne Thorne was going to start. Rocky Lombardi goes 11 for 27, 167 yards, two TDs, one INT. Actually got him involved in the ground game for the first time you really saw it this year. And he looked very good and looked faster. He was obviously, I think that week off, especially now playing Maryland, helped him 
because he was definitely dealing with some sort of injury, but he had 10 rushes for 65 yards. The offensive line, Stearns has been on them all year. They played very well this week against Northwestern. Connor Hayward, 24 carries, 96 yards. Uh, I mean, Rocky, what was it? Second drive of the game after the first drive, you're like, uh-oh, here we go again. And then I think it was at like the second play of the drive, like a 75-yard touchdown to Jalen Naylor. He had three receptions for 99 yards and a TD. The defense was, I mean, Antoine Simmons was incredible. 13 tackles, made that really, I think, momentum-shifting stop to start the game where Northwestern decided to go fourth and one in Michigan State territory, and then they got the stop, and then Michigan State scores a touchdown, and then MSU just kind of jumps up 17-0. Codlin hits a huge field goal at the end of the game that gives Michigan State the lead. That's It was basically the game-winning field goal. Knuckleballer. I was listening to Eric Bach and Nathan Stearns uh, on the WDBM airwaves because my cable went out. And, and perfect description of it, by the way. Just had to give you a shout-out for that. Perfect description in a moment. And that's basically it. That's basically the rundown. First question, are you guys fine with Rocky starting? Because I'm still not. I think it's fine. I don't know. I mean, if you can run – though, I think they found something in the run game with him a little bit. You know, They did. They did. I, I, I really do think that. But you can – could have done the same thing. Can you depend on the offensive line to play that well? I think it's probably the bigger question. Um, again, and I'm not sure they can do that against Ohio State because they, I mean, they kept the, against a pretty good front seven, they kept the pressure off of him. He didn't get sacked in the game. Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty impressive against probably, you know, coming to that game, what everybody thought was the best defense in the Big Ten and could still very well might be. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think they definitely found something with the run game. Yeah, sure. Thorne could have done it, but they chose to go with Rocky and he did it. And I think that um, I think that it showed a lot about him too, from a quarterback perspective, just like being a leader and being a guy who, yeah, he got benched twice, but he, I mean the site, the Iowa game is kind of hurt, but he comes back and he plays well. And it wasn't pretty, but he got the job done against, I mean, what was one of the top teams in the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I just I I don't know about Nate or Eric, I just. Hey, they won. And, and I do think this is going to help in the recruiting and just like kind of like the program and culture building that Tucker is doing. But I think we know Lombardi is not going to win you high level football games and college football consistently. So you might as well give Peyton Thorne or Theo Day a look, especially in this COVID season where it, it matters, but it's not like the end of the world. If you, if you have Theo Day come in and he throws like seven in or seven, you know what I mean? Just, yeah, I, I would like to see these guys get a look. And if not, you move on from them and you maybe go into transfer portal or you maybe give Noah Kim a shot. You know what I mean? When you look up the definition of a game manager in the dictionary, you're going to see what Rocky Lombardi, an example would be performance Saturday. He's the reason you don't lose the game. I mean, 11 to 20, that line still bothers me. I mean, that is a absolutely abysmal completion percentage. Yes, you had the long drive. You had the long go route to Naylor along the sideline, but I, I, I'm more along with Collins here. I don't. And Rocky okay was fun. when he's not he's good. He's, I don't. He's okay when he's not killing you. You had a feeling that the game. I, at least I did that. It would Michigan State would have a puncher's chance if Lombardi wasn't the reason they lost. They probably you probably beat Rutgers if you don't turn the ball over seven times. I mean, yeah, Northwestern's, better, 
Northwestern's success, again, is predicated on the fact of you're going to throw the ball deep and we're going to return it back 30 yards and we're going to have the ball at your 30-yard line. They don't march 75 yards down the field. It's not in their MO. So if you take that away from them, as Rocky did so well, and you don't shoot yourself in the foot, make Northwestern march the length of the field and play the field position game. I said that so many times because that was the key to the game. They are not a run-and-gun Ohio State-esque offense that can go 50, 60 yards time and time and time and time again. So he did what he had to do. But this – I. His his ceiling is very low. I, it really is. He's not gonna make he, you win. There's he doesn't have it in him to throw for four hundred and fifty yards and five touchdowns. He just doesn't. I mean it. And and it, Stearns, I didn't want to cut you off, but I'm not saying that's what he can do. Also, and I thought it was. I thought it was a surprising move that he started too. But some of the throws he made, specifically the touchdown to Naylor. Thorne couldn't have done that. And really, at you know, at some points of the game, he made plays that were the difference in the game. He set yeah. up that game, the game-winning field goal drive. Joe, did. Joe just, just because you're a Rocky Lombardi stand doesn't mean you no, have to. No, I'm not. I'm not. He was I, sucked before this game. And you know I said that. Here's the thing about Rocky. He, as Stearns somewhat said, when he doesn't turn the ball over, he's serviceable with a low ceiling. That's it. Like how many throws, I mean, the fact Naylor completely bailed him out with that shoestring catch when he was wide open there on the last drive to set up the game winning field goal. Um, I mean, Rocky's just so average to below average. It hurts. I mean, he can, and the best, the thing that he does best is throw the deep ball. And so I mean, you got to give ball. credit where credit is due. I mean, that was a, Perfect, perfect throw to Naylor. Yeah, that um, throw he threw the read too was perfect too. The, the one he threw the read was—I mean, those were two great throws, and that's what—that's what serviceable people can do. They can make plays sometimes, but they're just not going to be able to do it consistently. And you know, Collins, I'm with you, especially in this, um, especially in this COVID-shortened season. That really, in the long run, the results don't really matter that much. Um, yes, I would agree. Yeah, the I, I I would agree that this is a perfect opportunity to get Thorne and Day some game reps. I mean, it's one thing to do it in practice, but um, this is I agree with you. This is the first time, or this is a great opportunity to get these other guys reps. And it's not that Rocky doesn't deserve to play because I think he does deserve to play when he doesn't turn the ball over. But Michigan State has to know what they have in Lombardi, and they also have to know that. Their future lies in the hands of either Peyton Thorne or Theo Day. And but what about Ham- I mean, when Hampton Fay gets there, it's probably going to be the guy, right? Oh, well, he's not there right now, though. I know. So I'm there's, just saying. There's no. Well, I guess you're the point that you're making is that the future is not in the hands of Rocky Lombardi. And I, yeah, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying Michigan that State. I, I'm not saying that Lombardi shouldn't play, but Michigan State needs to consider that and maybe consider especially in this Ohio State game that has the potential to turn into a blowout depending on Ohio State personnel and we'll get into that later but um, Michigan State needs to consider providing their younger guys game reps they just and, had Mackenzie Milton enter the transfer portal that's a guy you could look at too for at well, least one year 
that's another topic I think we can talk about a little bit later because I do think Michigan State, especially with Tucker, is going to be active in the transfer portal. And I don't know if that means QB because you got Dwayne Mathis and Mackenzie Milton. Like Stern just said, Dwayne Mathis was a former Michigan State commit for like a hot second. He didn't really look great at Georgia. He had some medical issues when he first got there. But, I mean, last thing I want to say about Rob, I mean, they found something in the run game with him. That is something that you – like, if it was going to work, we all said that he has to be able to rush for about 50 yards, basically. And, and, and when you get into the red zone, that he's basically a bowling ball. And, and, and the Spartans weren't really in the red zone that much, so you didn't really get to see that. But that's, like, the only way it works. If you're like old school, like Tim Tebow, we're going to have a power quarterback, like run game, which I, I don't really necessarily think works <laughs> in college football anymore. It doesn't. It really doesn't. So it, it, it's kind of a pipe dream, but I did like how they used him in the run game and he played well. He made a lot of plays down the stretch that like, like you said, Bach, that throw to Naylor wasn't great, but I mean, they completed it. Like he, like the rush on the third down, they made that play. Like he made some winning plays, so I'm not to diminish what he did. But I think the biggest storyline, and, and I want to kick at the Stearns, the offensive line played fantastic. And, and, and I, I thought I thought Connor Hayward was really good in this game. Yeah, no, you're, he ran over people. That's what he can do. What's so frustrating about Hayward is that you see what he did against Michigan out of the backfield. You see what he did on Saturday – but it's the fact that up until this point, it's not he's not been able to put it together consistently. Weight-wise and body-wise, he blows all the other halfbacks out of the water. I mean, you got a 230-pound guy who's almost all muscle that can just move people when he wants to, and he doesn't do it consistently. And if he, But if he does not run like that, he, him and Shakir Brown were two of the main reasons they won that game. Yes. But I mean, unlike you, Collins, I don't think Lombardi played very well. You completed forty-seven. Per, you completed forty percent of your passes, and you didn't score for two quarters. I don't think I mean, he played not, well, but he made some big time plays. Like you're gonna acknowledge that that throw to Reed was big time in the corner of the end zone. That throw to I, Naylor was big time. I can. I, I, he yes, but they also had a tendency to fizzle out at the forty yard line of Northwestern every single drive. That's so fair. the biggest thing. Okay, it's amazing what can happen when you get a push. It's amazing what can happen when. You act like you actually want to win the game. I Michigan State is not running out a bunch of 260-pound kids. Matt Carrick, Duplain, Samick, or Curie Jervis, these are big boys. I mean, they, they look like an NFL offensive line just on the field. They're that big and they're that strong. And the fact that they were able to push those guys, those Northwestern defensive linemen, Leota and the rest of them, a yard or two back every drive, and they were able to successfully work to the second level and actually combo block and block out in space. That was impressive. I mean, they moved people. And Colin, get, or give Hayward credit, he wasn't being brought down on first contact. That's the biggest thing he needs to do more often because too many times you see him one-on-one, third and short, fourth and short, and I talked about this last week, with a, whether it be a small linebacker, whether it be a Sam, whether it be a free safety, strong safety, and he gets run over and he can't break tackles, but he refused to go down because he is a load. He is a big, strong, physical kid that's probably got an extra 25 pounds of muscle that all the other halfbacks don't do. And they kept Lombardi clean. I mean, that was an immaculate performance. The the stunt execution, the ability to diagnose blitzes, and the ability to let the vertical game work. 
when they keep him upright, you saw it against Michigan, you saw it a little bit against Rutgers. He's not, Lombardi can hit you for the deep ball. You at least have to respect it when you keep him upright. But that was a, a, an exceptional performance. I mean, you're right, I've been badgering them all year and I've been frustrated all year because you saw what they could have done against Michigan, but that was exceptional. You don't allow any sacks and you, by and large, you give your running game some room to work against the fourth best defense in the country from a points per game aspect going into that game. And that was exceptional. That, that was nothing short of, and then not only that, but the ability that you have to do that when you have three of the best linebackers in the big 10, I mean, Gallagher Fisher, and uh, I don't know what the other guy's name is that they were going into that game. They were all three in the top. They were all three from a tackles aspect in the top 10 in the conference. I mean, but Michigan State worked at the second level. You're not going to beat Northwestern if you have linebackers going in the A and B gaps unblocked. But they put hats on hats. So, by and large, exceptional performance. And that, that's what you need to see. That's what they can do. And that's what you need to do on a consistent basis because you've proven, out, proven it now twice. When you get up for big games, you have the ability to move people. It's in there. It's in there. It's not a matter of skill. It's just a matter of doing it on a consistent basis. The one thing I wanted to say, because the thing we kind of all talked about this whole season is record might not matter, but like seeing some sort of progress week to week does. And on the defensive side of the football, you saw some guys like Shakir Brown had two interceptions, made some really big plays. Freshman Angelo goes gross, excuse me, looked like he's going to be a player, like a like a big time player. And, and, and that's the type of like optimism you want to see. And I, I kind of wanted to move into this. Spartans have two wins against top 15 teams when they played them. And they were like one of three teams in the country to have that. What does that mean? Like, like what does that mean for this program going forward? And what, I, I think necessarily for any other team in the country, let's say Michigan is like two and three, but their two biggest ones are against like top 15 opponents. I still think their season would be a failure. Obviously, Michigan State and Michigan are in different stages of their program, but two wins for a first-year coach to show what he is building, I think Tucker has done all he can do in year one to attract talent to East Lansing and kind of set his culture. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. So I, I, think- I, I, so I, I think that's the biggest – Takeaway about these two wins, you beat your in-state rival and you beat a top 10 team on national TV. Like that's good for recruiting. I, I think uh, other than that, like, like the performance you're seeing on the field from some guys, I think you're seeing some guys develop, but I, I, I don't know if we, we have necessarily the answers who are going to be on the field next year even. So I, next step, the next step is consistency. Michigan yes. state hasn't played two good games in a row yet. So and they haven't played to, I don't know, They it just seems like they kind of get themselves up for the ranked games more, and they haven't played two top – I mean, this is this will be two top ten teams in a row coming into Spartan Stadium. Yeah. And um, so we'll see. This This will be interesting. This game Saturday, win or lose, will be the measuring stick for me as to how much progress Michigan State really has made during this season. Um, I don't think it's re- – I mean, it is unreasonable to expect Michigan State to win this Saturday, regardless of who plays for Ohio State. But um, I think that this this game is is going to be a strong indicator of whether or not Mel is really getting his message through to this particular group of players. I mean, they're making headway in recruiting. 
And that's what's really going to build your program up in the, the next few years. But this game Saturday is the measuring stick for me. Okay. I, I, I see you there. But, I mean, we're going to talk about Michigan State, Ohio State later in the show when we get into the pick them. Let's look around the Big Ten. I mean, first off, it sucks that Michael Penance tore his ACL. Just no secret. I mean, they beat Maryland handedly. But the way he did it, just running out of bounds, it was kind of fluky, non-contact. That sucks. So I, I that sucks if you're an Indiana fan. I mean, they're probably going to lose the next two games. I don't know who they're going to play, but, I mean, that sucks. I have no other comment. I don't know who their backup is. It's the guy that hasn't played hardly at all. Yeah. I mean, when you lose your best player, arguably, sorry, your best player, uh, I mean, it's – that's tough. That's a tough blow for a team that is having a really good season. It sucks because it happens late in the season too, and you're probably not gonna see him next year either for a big uh, chunk of it. Yeah, I, I would say probably not. I don't know. Think about it. Like this, I'm no, I'm no late. Effort, so I not think it's like eight, I mean, an Achilles is an eight-nine month thing. So I mean, Achilles is like a whole year, Stearns. Yeah, no, for the high-level <laughs> athletes, yeah. It just depends. It depends on the case by case, but I would say that Achilles on average is probably like 10 to 12 months. I thought it was an ACL though. No, I know. I'm saying that like, if you're saying an ACLs, you know, eight to nine months, I mean, it it, it depends. I mean, he, by fall camp, you would think he has a shot. I mean, he'll be back at some time next year. You just don't know. I mean, earliest will be July or August. I mean, that's probably your, your, your earliest, prognosis but there's a shot he's there by week one i, I wouldn't be surprised if Penix starts weeks week one next year for indiana i hope he does oh, uh, yeah same Me I, I i just i i don't know because with a guy like that i don't know if you want to i mean you what's it called we all watch rg3 play wednesday night football last night and a guy who basically got rushed back for a knee injury who basically his career was over after that like literally so i don't know i don't know i just I hope Penance is all right. That sucks for Indiana. They have a lot of good weapons. Like, I mean, Stevie Scott's a really good running back. And who's the other guy? Ellis is a running back. They got good weapons. So I do think that, like, if they play in a bowl game or whatever, they'll be competitive. It's just not going to be the same without Penance because he's just so dynamic. Uh, we kind of already talked about Michigan. They looked horrible against Penn State. Um, Matt DeMera gets hurt, like, on the first drive. He's done for the year's shoulder, regardless if they play Ohio State. Um, I, 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 some of the play calling by Michigan is just astonishing, uh, and especially in short yarded situations. Stearns, I don't know if you watch this. Joe Milton, QB sneak, and him not getting it was one of the most. He is six six, like two thirty. He's huge, and he wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. And then on like third and one, they're running read option, like RPO etch, and trying to like run the slant. Like their offensive steam is so bad. And I get that their defense has done the majority of the criticism this year, as they should have. Their secondary has been horrible. And, and I, I think once they lost Hutchinson and, and Twitty Pay got injured, it, it just like it wasn't going to be the same on the defensive side of the ball. But the offensive play calling is so bad. And, and I don't think – I mean, people talk about Gaddis and stuff. But, like, I, it's crazy, crazy that people still think that, like, hardball is going to, like, develop a quarterback. Still, it's it, it like it's clear that his system, unless he goes out and hires like a top tier offensive coordinator, like his whatever his offensive beliefs are, stink now. 
This is like, like they're just not it. They're not good. The problem with Harbaugh is what it's the same thing that D'Antonio struggled with toward the last two years. It's the inability to change and you are going to run what you run come, you know, water, high water. You are going to, you're not going to change. You're not going to deviate. You have 15 scripted plays. Doesn't matter what look they give you. It doesn't matter what situation you're going to run. That's the downfall of most coaches is that you refuse to deviate. You refuse to say, you know what? I know I scripted this, but maybe this would be a better idea. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to call the same three inside zone runs three times in a row. When God, Mike Shula was the worst for this. This when you it'd be third and one, fourth all, and all the way back to the Carolina Panthers. We have Cam Newton. Oh, let's hand it off to Mike Tolbert. Like, what are you doing? Yes, I know Tolbert. You were a Tolbert guy. guy? No, I wasn't the biggest Tolbert guy. <laughs> I mean, you have fourth and one. You're at midfield. Your quarterback six five. All he needs to do is fall. Like he'll leap over. But you're right. It's just. They don't adjust. I mean, you can say what you – Don Brown doesn't adjust. Giannis doesn't adjust either. There's no – they come out of halftime. Michigan comes out of halftime and they're running the same stuff they did in the first half. It's You're losing by 10 at half. Why are you running the same stuff that puts you losing by 10 to an 0-5 football team? Like, my – Michigan should never be this bad, by the way. They have too much talent. It's they don't – Stupid. It, there's nothing wrong with going in front of the media and saying, you know what, our play calling stunk. But at least you can live with people who get out coached, but then they go into halftime and, you know, throw caution to the wind. Down it. It's like, oh, it's not going to work, but maybe it'll work this time. The, no, definition of insanity, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. That is the problem. And, and the thing is that they gave the ball to Haskins in the first half and he was cooking. Hassan Haskins has been like the lone bright spot, I think, in this Michigan offense consistently. And they don't give him the ball enough. I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. The whole like speed and space. Yeah, really? You're still not giving your best players the football. Whatever. I, I digress. Michigan, pro, I, I think they're going to play next week. Everyone's kind of like they're not going to play Ohio State. I think with the new CDC guidelines, it kind of opens up a chance for them to play. And I know the Big Ten is not going to change their guidelines. But if they do the contract tracing and Michigan has enough players to play, I think they'll play. I think they're oh, prideful yeah. enough to play against Ohio State. And, and if they have the guys, they should play. That's my personal opinion, but whatever. Um, Purdue blows the lead to Rutgers. Good for Shiano. He's kind of doing the same thing Tucker's doing, except on a little lower profile, like getting some big wins. I, I think Shiano is going to be able to get some big recruits out of New Jersey. I, I, I think he might lock that, not lock the state up, but he's going to start getting some guys at Michigan and Michigan State and, and Ohio State. Not, maybe not Ohio State because that's just a different level. I've kind of been stealing from the state, like get, getting some underrated talent from New Jersey. I, I think Shiano's going to close that up. I think Rutgers is going to be pretty good in about three to four years. Like I, I think it's apparent that Shiano is just a perfect fit there. So thank God. I mean, Rutgers is not going to be the doormat of the league forever. Like I, I think in a couple of years, they will be a seven, five football team pretty consistently. And I mean, there was only four games in the bid time last week. So we don't have a lot to talk about, but I mean, Rashawn Bateman is opting out at Minnesota. Not surprising, whatever. Minnesota, huge disappointment this year. I'm curious to see what they look yeah. like this year. A huge disappointment. That's weird. Is, what is Tanner Magnum still playing? 
Uh, Tanner Morgan, Tanner Madden, Tanner Morgan. BYU, BYU. Yeah, sorry, Tanner. I always do that. Tanner Morgan. Uh, yes, he, he is. I, I stats, and, the numbers are bad for him this year compared to. I mean, granted, weird year, but still, they don't look good. I mean, they have a really good. Their running back's awesome. Like their oh, offense yeah. has not been like their offense has been like, great, but their defense has been horrible. But yeah. whatever. Okay, let's get into the weekly awards, the SRZ awards. The SRZ, Beanie Wells, Offensive Player of the Week. Shout out Beanie Wells for having the most ridiculous face mask I've ever seen on a running back. It was so funny. He was really, really good. He was also good on the Cardinals for, like, his rookie year and just stunk in the NFL. He had, like, a 1,000 yards and just never played again. Uh, Nathan Stearns, let's start us off with a running back. Yep, I went with Connor Hayward. It's funny you made me – or you, you wanted me to talk about him earlier, Collins, because I've been hard on him. I have been very hard on him, but I'm a big enough man to admit when he proved me wrong this week. I mean, the running between the tackles got the tough yards. That was a very gutsy, very energetic performance. I wanted You wanted him to get to the 100-yard mark so bad. Like, that – he was so close. But the – averaging four and a half yards a run is a world of difference than averaging two and a half – oh, what did they – what? It was like one and a half when they played Iowa – I mean, just completely different scenario. And a lot of those yards that he got, yes, they were the result of offensive line blocking, but a lot of it was because he was running through people. He refused to go down on first contact. So he's my SRZ Offensive Player of the Week. Okay. My SRZ, Beanie Wells Offensive Player of the Week, is another running match, Jamar Jefferson. I don't know if you guys watched on Black Friday, the Oregon, Oregon State game late night. Maybe one of the wildest endings I've watched in a really long time. Quarterback gets, like, injured on, like, a third and one. They have to bring in the new guy for a fourth and one with, like, 10 seconds left to beat Oregon for the first time, I think, in, like, 12 years. It was something crazy like that. Jamar Jefferson had, like, something like 238 yards, two TDs. Shout out to Oregon State. It kind of sucks to beat Oregon in a year you got no fans at. But, I mean, they beat Oregon. So, good for Oregon State. Jamar Jefferson was unstoppable for the first three quarters of that game. So Jamar Jefferson is my Beanie Wells Offensive Player of the Week. My Beanie Wells Offensive Player of the Week is the entire MSU offensive line. I mean, they've gotten – they have taken a brow beating on this show from Stearns, from myself, from Collins. And we got to give credit where credit is due. I mean, Northwestern is the fourth best total defense in the country coming into the game. And – the Spartans kind of had their way with them. I mean, they rushed for more yards in the first quarter than they did the entire game against Indiana. So they figured something out in their off week. You got to give credit where credit is due. MSU offensive line. All right. Well, Bach, you're going to like this one. North Carolina state quarterback, Bailey Hockman. Oh, Jesus. Is my SRZ Beanie Wells offensive player of the week. Oh man. Did he, he, he didn't get it done against Liberty earlier this year. He did not. That's no, he did not. Very well. We he did do not. Know. But against a sh- – I would – okay, and I want to pose this question because I was just thinking of this. How many points need to be scored in a game for it to be considered a shootout, in your opinion? Just quick. Oh, oh I think if, thir- if both teams are in the 30s, it's – I agree. a shootout. Okay, so this was not a shootout. It was a, a duel. We'll call it that. There you 36, go. 36-29 like win over Syracuse for North Carolina State. Hockman had 313 and four touchdowns. And he had a pick, but who cares? Whatever. Um 23 to 31. So I don't know. 10 yards of completion. 
74% completion percentage as well. So, hey, good numbers for him. And he got it done against Syracuse. I just wanted to say that because I thought it was funny that he actually played well in a football game against an ACC opponent and not against Liberty. That is that is funny. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> Dan, um, were you a big Beanie Wells guy growing up as an OSU fan? Eh. Also, I fact-checked you about the 1,000 yards in the Cardinals. He did have 1,000 yards uh, – 1,100 yards, I'm going to round up from 1099, and uh, 10 touchdowns from scrimmage. So he had a great year in the Cardinals, and then he was out of the league. Yeah, it was it was bizarre because, like, he was an actual – like, he was a problem for the Cardinals when they had Kurt Warner. Like, he was good. What happened? So. What happened? What happened I don't know. Beanie Wells? I don't know. And then he split time. I, also, I Googled a the weird face Cardinals mask. team. I Googled the face mask thing. I don't understand at all what you were talking about. It's He's a, got, like, the Peyton Manning face mask for a running back. Oh, Oh yeah, what a new uh, a new BTN documentary coming? What happened to Beanie Wells? Dude, Beanie Wells was nice. That, that Ohio State team. I mean, what was it? I think it was prior. Oh, he tore his Achilles tendon. Oh, that's what happens. The, and in twenty thirteen, that'll do it to you. That will do it to you. But what Beanie Wells? I think they had Pryor, and then they had like Laurinaitis on the defense. Those teams were. Good. Oh man, Terrell Pryor, he was a dog for a year on the good. Browns as a wide receiver. He was so athletic. Oh. It's a shame he sold. A th- he had an a thousand yard receiving season in the NFL. It's a shame That's he stole all those gold pants. It's a shame, but hey, lost yeah, him. We sometimes we sell. Sometimes we sell stuff. I'll do the same thing. I I don't judge him at all for that. People probably do. It's a shame he was good. He was really good. That's not the actual. That's not actual. I don't too. actually know. Okay, let's move into another. SRZ Chris L. Rucker, defensive player of the week. I think my dad's least favorite player at Michigan State ever. Because he just would get beaten coverage consistently. Kelly. Yeah, but he hey, he ended up being a decent player his senior year. So give credit to Chris L. Rucker where credit's due. But I'll start us off with a Michigan State guy, Antoine Simmons. I I I think he changed the landscape of that game early in the first quarter. And then he was just everywhere, everywhere on the field after that. So that's my Chris L. Rucker SRZ defensive player of the week. I went with Shakir Brown. Before, you know, I, I, I get to say it first because Joe stole my guy, but I was the Imagine. first one to put it in the dock. Imagine that. I, I, put it in the, I put it in the dock first. So two more interceptions. He's got five on the five on the year, which is not only tied for the lead in the conference, but it's tied for the lead in the country. When is the latest time Michigan State has had a legitimate ball-hawking corner? Yes, he's – Wayne's. Yes, he's very hit or miss. But it's that ability to turn the ball over, to flip the field. Michigan State has missed that for a very long time. PFF actually has him graded as the second-best corner in football with an 87.3 grade. Is he a top-five corner in college? No. I don't think so from watching him play. But nonetheless, he's got three interceptions the last two games that Michigan State has played. He's been impressive finding a way – to turn the ball over and just give Michigan State momentum when they need to. He's my pick for the SRZ Defensive Player of the Week. I went with the Alabama defense because they proved me right that you never should go against Alabama in the point spread. Yeah. And also Saban was not there, so they were able to do it without their their lord and savior on the sideline. Bach, I have a question for you about Saban. Do you think Sark is the replacement for Saban in a couple of years? I do. I do. I think that um, I just – I can't think of anyone else who they would get. And I'm sure that Saban's going to have 
a huge say in who his predecessor is whenever yeah. he decides to quit because it's it's completely his decision on when he stops coaching and yeah, I mean. um i think that if he trusts sark to bring him on at multiple different times you know i mean he came and then he left and then he came back i think saban especially because he just runs his program in such a tight ship toward a, sort of way i think that um that's a very logical conclusion to come to joe dandron who'd you got um as stearns noted earlier i did steal his as well uh I'm shakur surprised. brown who you know i mean Talk about an impressive just his development, or especially since he was a freshman, just the development that he's had to come in to kind of be the player that he is now. It is just impressive. And to be tied for the Big Ten lead with five interceptions on the season, um, you know, I mean, he makes plays on the ball. Yeah, gets beat. I mean, you saw it against Indiana. There were some plays that happened where it was – but I think he's legitimate. Um at He's least, good. He's not like, a top like 10 cornerback yeah. in the country. Do I think he is where Pro Football Focus has him ranked? Do I no. think of that is that like a like do I think he's a better corner than I mean there's guys in the Big Ten who are probably better than him, you know, from an individual standpoint. Oh, for but sure. I mean he he's made plays and he's made plays that have helped them, you know. I mean, he made plays that helped them win that game on Saturday. So he's and I think what's it called? Eric made a good point about Trey Waynes. He does remind me a little bit more of Waynes than maybe Denard. Because Denard had his turnovers and stuff, but Denard was his shutdown. Like, he, yeah. he, he was never going to get bit. He never got beat. Denard's arguably the best cornerback I've ever seen in college football play. And that's probably biased because I got to watch him play every game. But he was incredible his senior year. Like, incredible. So, I, I, I would agree with the comparison with Waynes. Because Waynes would get beat every once in a while, but he, he – He's a guy who's willing to tackle and is able to make plays on the football. So I, I, I like that comparison. But let's move on to the SRC Joey Ellis unit slash frame of the week. Let's start off with Nathan Stearns. Yeah, I went, as Eric said, I went with Clemson and Alabama. You don't pick against those two. They were a big reason like why. This is a because I picked against both of them. They're, 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 those you were both the reasons why, why I went seven and three. At the end of the day, though, you just can't pick against those two. Those two programs in normally Ohio State. So those, they helped me tie Joe in the pick on, which I'm quite happy about. So those were my unit, frame, whatever, player of the week thingy. Not really players, <laughs> more of units. Units, the entire Clemson and Alabama football team for propelling me to a tie atop the, the leaderboard. Joe Dandrum's not a good unit slash frame of the week. Oh, yes. Yes. So I'm continuing the uh, the randomness that's involved usually with this pick. So my Ju- Joey, I almost said Julia, uh, Joey Ellis unit frame of the week is uh, the Ingham County Health Department. Um, you know, there shout out the ice, shout out the ICHD. Um, you know, last week it was the guy I met in line at Spartan Stadium who was just the friendliest individual I've ever met. This week, it was the friendliest health department I've ever met. Uh, you know, we're, we're free from the quarantine due to COVID-19 now. And, hey, they got me tested. I found out I had COVID, and they got me through it. So, they didn't really do anything for me. Just shout out them. Hey, shout out, shout out them for doing nothing for me. Yeah. Hey, shout shout, out, no, just no. But no, Joe's just taking a the, shot at the whole health community, just like not doing anything in this pandemic, right? Okay, no, I had something to say. But like, come on, guys, you're putting words on it. But <laughs> so 
no, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Keep up the good work. They're helping keep people safe. And yeah. you know what? Hey, go then. Yes. Bot, I looked at yours in the doc and I'm mad that I didn't make it mine. Yeah. I, I thought that I was, I was a little late to the party and the awards. I thought that this was going to get stolen, but uh, Jared Patterson from Buffalo, 409 rushing yards and eight touchdowns an FBS record, eight rushing touchdowns. I mean, if that's not a frame, I don't know what is. So, I mean, that's, it's on, especially, I would maybe believe it in this day and age of college football, 409 passing yards and eight touchdowns, but rushing. I mean, it I know it's the Mac, but man, that's unheard of. I mean, that's, that's the definition of a muscle hamster. <laughs> there you go. The shortest little—he had the shortest strides I've ever seen in my life, other than mine. I mean, it's like it was like it was like it's like where, where you where you have the TV shows with like the little baby legs, but he's so low to the ground. That was that was impressive. I mean, just so compact, so hard to tackle. But it just—I'm like—I remember looking at Eric, and I'm like, this guy looks like it's like it looks like a ten-year-old's running. It was so, it was the strides were tiny. I mean, I can relate to that on a spiritual level, especially when you had to run the mile in high school. When you, are, when, when you have strides that are as tiny as mine, you get exhausted easily. But that was impressive. Mm. Oh, I, I, I agree. Patterson, I mean, Kent State, absolutely. Kent State had no answer for him at all. And I and then I'm gonna move on to mine. Mine's a little bit off the beaten path. I'm gonna go Urban Meyer because I think it's funny that he is gonna take his predator, like take Tom Herman's job. <laughs> he's not. He's going to USC. No way. Dude. Why wouldn't you go to Texas instead of USC? Texas is a better job than USC. Is it? Yes. Yes. I don't know. You got the biggest. I, I think you probably got the that. biggest donor backing. They will do literally anything for football. It's the state of Texas. It's just, I mean, you can, you can argue LA and Texas are probably LA, Texas and Ohio are probably the three best recruiting bases for college football. Like those three States, like you could probably say that, but Florida oh, too, Florida too. Yes. Sorry. Put them in the nets there, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's funny that urban Myers said, Hey Herman, me and you kind of had beef last year. I'm going to take your job. Like kind of funny. You think that they're going to fire him? I think, I think Herman's, it sounds like Herman's done. I'll believe it when I see it. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with it because I think Herman's a good coach, but I mean, he literally cleaned house at the end of last year, brought in basically an entire new staff, and it didn't really work. And it, I mean, the Texas donors are psychopaths, so I it like, especially with Texas A and M and Jimbo kind of getting Athens moving. I don't know. I, I, I would not be surprised if they try – if they could get Urban, I think Herman's gone, which is not crazy. Like, if Michigan State could get Urban, they would fire Mel Tucker today. Like, that's just how it goes. <laughs> like, that's just how it goes. But those are the awards this week. Let's move into the pick em. And as Nathan Stern hinted at it, we got a new leader slash co-leader in the pick em standings. Nathan Stern stores seven and two last week. To get his record to 33 and 18. Joe Dandron goes three and six. He's at 33 and 18. Also, Eric Bot just above 500, five and four, 30, 30 and 21. Still great records. And me just with an absolute stinker of a week. Go one and eight, 
22 and 29 overall. I went for some big swings. Didn't work out for me. That's how it usually goes. But uh, Joe, <laughs> Joe Dantron, any comment on Nathan Stearns catching up to you? We hear the noise. We hear the noise. I like this, that. There we just, go. Let me just <laughs> make one comment. As the former co-host of this show, Alex McRae, loves to say, Joe, water finds its level. And then how did I win last year? McRae Plus, did say that all the time. Water finds its level, Joe. It's this, And the water is leveling off in your world, Joe. What? I had one bad week, Bach. One. This is my worst well, week and probably the last you better, season. You better not season make it, last season. It's probably my worst week you ever. You better not make it two bad weeks in a row. Just just putting that out there. Okay. Well, I'm going to be a little less bold with my Alabama and my Clemson. You know, I'm not going to bet. Well, neither of them are on the pick this week on purpose because I knew that you guys would want to pick them. So, okay. no. Okay. Oh, wow. You're yeah, so let's sorry. move you're into so it. Okay, let's move into it. First Big Ten game noon, FS1. Rutgers host Penn State getting 11 points. I'm going to start I, – I mean, Joe Dandron, start us off. I need Joe to start the show. Rutgers. Give me Rutgers. I like that. Give me Rutgers. Like that. Because Penn State can still win, which I think they do, but I think Rutgers covers. I'm with you, I Joe. Don't. I'll go. I'll go. I'm going to go Rutgers too. 11 points is a lot, especially for a Rutgers team that doesn't have an affinity for blowing people out. I think they win, but I don't think they cover. Rutgers is not favored. So. Oh, they're down? What they're it's Penn State minus 11. Oh, yeah, no, then give me Rockers. That's easy. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I actually don't understand this line at all. And, and Rutgers is coming off a nice one against Purdue. I mean, Purdue's not world beaters, but they're not a terrible football team. I think Purdue and Penn State, especially with Penn State's injuries at this stage of the season, I don't know. I, I, I think Rutgers maybe wins outright. This is a weird line, this, I don't really, the, it's a weird line. It's the second week that all four of us have picked against Penn State, and it went. Penn State got us last week, so well, Penn they're State probably going to get us again last week. They didn't impress me last week beating Michigan. They really didn't, honestly. It was just like Michigan just didn't do anything on the offensive side of the football, other than Hassan Haskins having like a seventy-five yard run. But whatever, I digress. Okay, number five, Texas A&M get, laying seven points on the road at Auburn noon on ESPN. Eric Bach. Uh, give me Texas A&M. A&M is playing for the playoffs right now. I mean, if Alabama, Clemson, and – or if Alabama, Notre Dame, and Ohio State win out, then in theory, Texas A&M will be in the college football playoff. Yeah. I mean, so – they're in playoff. I mean, they're these are playoff games now for AM and Auburn. You said it earlier, Bo picks. I mean, give me, give me AM, give me the Aggies easy on the road. Yeah, Auburn proved the frauds that they were after they laid a giant deuce against Alabama. <laughs> Doesn't matter how good Alabama is, you don't want to lose by four scores to your rival. So this is easy for me to style points matter at a time like this for Texas A&M. There is no not running up the score if you can, because they're right on that bubble right now. So I'm going A&M too. I'm going to go with A&M as well. I'm going to hop on A&M too. And I hate that we're all on the same pitch, but I, I can in good conscience, bet on on Auburn after what I saw last, not last week. It's just what I know. (laughs) 
Like, Joe. and it's so weird though about Auburn that like Gus Manziel is like on the hot seat every other year for like some reason. I don't really understand it. I don't know who Auburn thinks they every are. Every other year they win some games. I know it's they're in every other. They are in every other year program. They really it's are. It's true. We've had this conversation before. I swear. Every every other year they win some games. Well, Notre Dame is Notre Dame's usually go, one of those programs too with Brian Kelly. But the last couple of years they've consistently been really good. But yeah, I'm exactly Joe. There's certain programs that are like every other year they're going to be in the mix. So I don't know. I I, I like a and minus seven. Back to the Big Ten, Nebraska getting two points on the road in West Lafayette, noon on BTN. I'll start us off. Give me Purdue. I, I, I just, I, I, I'm such a suck. Even though Nebraska covered last week for me, I mean, they went back to Adrian Martinez. I didn't like that. I think McCaffrey's a guy there going forward. I, and, and I like Purdue. I think Purdue wins this game. I'm going to be the first contrarian here. I've bet Purdue, or I haven't bet. I've picked Purdue three times this year, and they've, they've lost me every single time. Whichever I pick against them or for them, I lose every single time it's evolved with Purdue. So I am not trusting Purdue at all. I think that Nebraska turned in a solid performance on Black Friday against they Iowa. Did. I mean, I was, just, I was just better than them. I mean, that's not I – mean, Nebraska played probably their best game of the entire year at Iowa and still lost. I think Nebraska is playing a little bit better, and I think that they can cover two on the road at, at Purdue. These are two inconsistent football teams and two teams that, frankly, are about as mediocre as mediocre can be. The only reason I'm going with Purdue is because it's at Ross Aid. I Frost and some of the play calling of Nebraska was just the worst. Why did Martinez get hurt or why is he still playing? I don't why know. I the- think I, I will, I will be honest. I was flipping back and forth with another football team. So I don't know if McCaffrey got hurt, but I do think McCaffrey is the guy there. I do too. Forward. I do too. But I, this is just a game. It's the battle, the stink fest, but I think the home stink fest is going to win. So give me Purdue. All right. Well, sorry. I was distracted. Of course. So, okay, I think that Purdue is definitely the better football team, right? But, and Bog made a good point about Nebraska, but I have any, there's no reason to ever trust Nebraska. So I'm taking Purdue here. Good. I'll tell you, that's good. your fault. Scott Frost is a big year next year. A big year next year. That's what they said last year. Oh, yeah, and the year before that. Well, no, I'm just saying he, like, next year will, I think, will be like the first time you could logically be like, hey, are, yeah. are we going if he anywhere? Do it next year, then. If he doesn't do it next year, then people are out on him. Yeah. And I, I'm going to give, like, any coach, like, the benefit of the doubt usually, like, in this COVID year. I think there's a few exceptions with, like, Harbaugh and, like, Patricia, not to just, like, stay <laughs> in state. But, like, I'll give Frost the benefit of the doubt this year, but I, I he's got to do it next year. Uh, back to the SEC. Number six, Florida Lane, 17 and a half against rival Tennessee in Knoxville, 3.30, CBS, Nestler, Danielson, 17 and a half. Does that seem like not enough? I think it's right where it should be, and I'm going to go first and pick Florida because okay. I think that Florida is in the same boat as Texas A&M. Stern said it perfectly earlier. Style points matter right now for those two. And the only way that Florida gets in to the playoff is if they beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. And they can't obviously lose before then. They're, I mean, this is a classic SEC East rivalry. Tennessee 
is like the Michigan of the SEC. Um, I think that Florida is going to take it to them. Kyle Trask is really good and should be in the middle of the Heisman conversation, in my opinion. So give me, give me the Gators all day long. Tennessee blows. This is the same <laughs> thing every bloody year. I mean, when they lose to Arkansas and Kentucky by double digits, you refuse the right for anybody to pick for you again. Give me Florida. I don't care if it's in Knoxville or on Mars. Tennessee's a joke. It's easy for me. Give me Florida. Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask are going to rip them up. I love that. I love that. That's sir. like Joe Dan- Joe Dan- 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 third. Joe Nantern started yeah. third because we can't be having him go last every time. Well, I mean, this is the same way as going last, I guess. Because I didn't okay, make a pick mind. yet. I didn't make a pick. Okay, <laughs> but I know. But never mind. Look at the standings. He's saying um, you're not a factor in the standings. Okay. No. Uh, uh, hey. That's what hey. <laughs> Enough. Enough. So, okay. Tennessee. What is okay? We had this conversation when we talked about Tennessee last time. What is their record? I haven't not two seen a five. single snap. They're two and five. Oh, I haven't seen a single snap of Tennessee football the entire – I've probably watched in three years. <laughs> Give me Florida by 17 and a half. I, they might win by 40. I honestly – I don't think this good. Line, I think you're better than Ohio State. Florida, Florida offensively is yeah. – I, I don't know if there's any better team in the country offensively like Florida, especially with Kyle Pitts back in the lineup. I, I don't, don't know, Bama. I really don't. I think Florida should be like 24 point favorites. Like, I think they're that good and that prolific on the offensive side of the football. So, I'm going to take Florida. I, I really don't get this line. I, I mean, maybe Tennessee started to show something in the last couple of weeks. I haven't watched them since that Kentucky debacle. But, I mean, Pruitt's seat isn't hot. But, I mean, it, 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 he's another guy who has a big year coming ahead. Let's stop Frost. Uh, bad to the Big Ten. Number 12, Indiana without Michael Penitz. Plus 14 and a half going into Camp Radnall against number 16, Wisconsin. 330 ABC. I like Indiana plus 14 a lot. And I know Penitz is gone, and I know he was a huge impact player for them. They still got weapons all over the field. And if they could somehow have a quarterback like who's just a, a little like decent, is able to like game manage just a little bit. I think they'll be able to move the ball against Wisconsin, and, and maybe Mertz goes back to the way he was playing before Northwestern. But I I really like Indiana plus fourteen a lot actually. I like Wisconsin. I'm on the completely other end of the boat here. The, Wisconsin I think is the best defense in the conference. Okay. Other than North, what what is Jake Tuttle done? Your weapons are only good if you can get the ball to him. I'm not saying okay, he, I don't, he hasn't done anything, Stearns. I'm just saying if he exactly is, your first your first real game is against that defense. They Indiana has not struggled, but they haven't run the ball with consistent success. I mean, Scott's good, but you saw it against Michigan State. They weren't you know running up and down and up and down and up and down, and they're predicated on those 15, 20 yard intermediate crossing routes with Phil Yor and Freifogel. I just don't think he's going to be able to get the ball to him. I think this is a game Wisconsin wins easily. I this Wisconsin is. I mean, with not having Michael Penix kills this Indiana offense in a lot of ways. Obviously, good run game, very very talented receivers, but like Stern said, have to get the ball to him. Um, I just don't trust Indiana without panics. I'm going to take Wisconsin. I like Indiana's defense too, though, guys. Yeah, I, what I, you took which the word I, out of my I, mouth. 
I think I'm with Collins here. I think that Wisconsin probably wins this game, but I think it's close, like field goal close. So I think that Indiana covers 14 just because Wisconsin's offense against Northwestern was asleep. And Indiana's defense is really improved and they're going to turn, they're going to create at least two turnovers a game. And if, if the Indiana defense can maybe even get a score, I think, I think Indiana covers 14, even without Penix. Okay. Staying in the big 10, number 19, Iowa, number 19, yeah. uh, minus 13 and a half at Illinois, 330 FS1. I think I was in a house, Illinois. Am I wrong? Uh you're not wrong. I'm on the Hawkeyes here. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen anything from Illinois. And that was one of my team's preseason that I thought would be a lot better than they did. They had some COVID issues right off the bat. They also screw job in Madison, even though they lost by like 35. I don't know why I said it's a screw job. But uh um yeah, they I mean Illinois is just not that good. I like Iowa. This one to me again is like Illinois. They haven't shown anything this year to be like, oh, yeah, they can cover that. So, Iowa defense is really good. They get after the quarterback, too. And uh, Illinois is going to have problems with that. There are large stretches of play where Iowa looks like they're sleepwalking through a game. So, I, I can see this going two ways. Either Iowa is going to house them, and I'm going to go with you guys, and I think Iowa is going to house them. But I could possibly see a scenario – in which this is just an ugly, you know, mid-Saturday Big Ten West sort of game. Because Iowa plays three or four of those kind of games a year, but I don't think this is one of them. Give me the Hawkeyes to beat a really bad Illinois team that's regressed badly from last year. I don't know. I Again, I hate to say hot seat or something. I just like, I have a feeling that Lovey Smithson like just be like, I don't really want to do this anymore. Like, yeah, I, I have enough money in the bank. I'm kind of done. I could see him walking away. And then that's here. So, so I, I, I'm interested to see where Illinois goes from there because he's had a couple of good recruiting classes for Illinois football standards. So I don't know. We'll see there. That could be a storyline in the bid time this off season to the Pac 12 Stanford plus 11 and a half at 20, number 22, Washington, four o'clock on Fox Stanford beats Cal in a really weird wonky game. They blocked the extra point to win a huge rivalry game. That sucks for Cal, but who do you got Nathan Stearns? I'll be, I have not watched a lot of, I have not watched a lot of Pac-12 football at all because normally I'm a sleepy little boy by the time those games come around, but uh, I don't know. Let, let's go with, let's go with Washington. I don't, what's Stanford one and two? I mean, they haven't been particularly impressed. So, so give me the Huskies here. Um, Joe. I, uh, Joe. I was, sorry. I was consulting, whatever. It's not important. But hmm, what what Stanford was right to start the year? Did they lose? Who they lose to early on in the year? I think they lost to Oregon. They won, I don't think they were ranked. I don't think they were. Ranked. They got they housed by Oregon. Oregon. They lost to Colorado and they beat California. Yeah, is it man Washington? I haven't. Uh, I don't know. I haven't watched either of these teams play yet. It's a really good podcast right here, guys. No, I, I'm gonna be honest. What? I'm too busy watching the Big Ten. I don't. I, what? I'm, I don't see it. I, I haven't watched either of these teams either. That's why it's funny. <laughs> that's why I threw this. That's why I put this one on the list because I knew there would just be ignorance all around. I'm not gonna be ignorant. Uh, yes. but I, I know how David Shaw oh, well, plays. 
David no one's Stalker. being ignorant is watching football from a conference that isn't going to send anybody to the final four. That's what's ignorant. BYU. BYU. BYU is BYU's in the Pac 12. Yeah. Hey, you should be thrown in there. Okay. Oh, okay who are you picking, Joe? I said it. Washington. You're picking right. Washington. Stanford's not. Okay. Collins, who are you picking? Off the road. Uh, give me Stanford. I like David Shaw. Okay, I'm with you. Because I just, uh, I mean, David Shaw, tight game. I know it sounds stupid and cliche, but punt from the 35. He did it last week. He's a field position god. Give me David Shaw. Yep, I'm with you. Stanford all uh, the way. Next game, we don't have, like, an actual, like, Vegas line because this game was just added to the schedule. Number 13, BYU on the road at Coastal Carolina, 530 on ESPNU for some reason. I think game day is in Coastal Carolina. Yeah, uh, we made the Chanteliers or whatever. The SRZ Sportsbook made this line ourselves. So we're going to give BYU six and a half. I Not give. BYU will be laying six and a half points in the BYU, in the SRZ Sportsbook made by me and Joe Dandron. So if people are complaining about the line, the line was not out when we were recording this podcast. So we made it ourselves. Eric Bach, what do you think? Um, BYU. I think Coastal Carolina is finally going to be exposed for the frauds that they are. So I'm going uh, BYU. And with the SRZ Sportsbook line of six and a half, it's a no-brainer for me. Love it. I love that. I feel like we. I feel like we. I feel like uh, Collins, the sportsbook, might have got a little light on the line. I think thirteen and a half might have been a good one, but whoa, we'll cross there. We'll, be, we'll we'll see what happens once they play the game. We'll know. So you're but, picking, so you did you just pick BYU? Yeah, I think the. How do you the Chanticleers are uh, a bunch of frauds, and okay. they haven't played. I don't like this. I don't like this slandering of Coastal Carolina. Sorry, but their strength of schedule is even weaker than BYU's, and BYU also has the largest average margin of victory in the FBS. So I think still. So, give me BYU. Go Cougs. Uh, okay, so I, I haven't watched a lot of Pac-12 football, but I have watched a lot of Coastal Carolina football, which is something I never thought I would say. Their offense, like their quarterback is good. Like they have a very good quarterback. I think BYU and the SRC Sportsbook line will cover six and a half. This game will be close. And I think BYU and Coastal Carolina only having two days to prepare for each other, it's going to be an offensive shootout. Collins, you've had some bad takes on this show. But oh, take- my God. Are you kidding? you telling me? This is going to be a spanking. A spanking. <laughs> Playing Campbell, Arkansas State, Georgia Southern, Troy, Appalachian State, Texas Southern. I mean, you might as well play the local high school football team down the street. You're going to get the same level of competition. Okay, BYU that's just not true. To house, absolutely house Coastal Carolina. So being a Louisiana team that beat Iowa State, who is like a top 10 team in the country right now, is not impressive. I mean, it's impressive, but it doesn't outdo the fact that the only other team you beat that is a power five team or not, not the only power five team you beat is Kansas, who should be demoted to the MAC. I mean, no, they're playing, they're playing the Weenie Hunt Juniors. These Weenie Hunt Juniors, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not buying this. Give me BYU all day. I love the Weenie Hunt Junior and Weenie Hunt General comment right there. Shout out SpongeBob, best show ever. Um, now we get to our game. Number four, Ohio State comes into East Lansing, minus 24, noon on ABC. There was a questions about if this game was going to be played. 
right now on Thursday at 12.26 p.m. It looks like it's on. It looks like it's going to happen, but things could happen. But let's discuss this game before we get into our picks. Is, uh, what, is, what does Michigan State have to do to make this game close? Not turn the ball over. Pray to the good that's, Lord Almighty because that's the only way they're going to have a That is the key to everything for Michigan State. If this season has taught us nothing, it's about the turnovers. I mean, you beat Rutgers if you don't turn it over seven times. The two wins, you've turned it over combined one time. I mean, it's just turnovers. Turnovers are what win and lose football games. And that's that has been so, so true for Michigan State. If they can turn the ball over zero times or one time, they're going to pretty easily cover this number, I think. They are going to have to find a way to get the vertical vertical passing game involved. Which is Ohio Rocky, State's weakness. Yes, Rocky cannot be a quote-unquote game manager. Doesn't matter. If they go two quarters without scoring, it's going to be an ugly game. They are yeah. going to have to score between seven and – they're going to have to score at least seven points a quarter. You're going to have to have consistent offensive success. You're not going to win going 11 of 27. At least for one game, the game manager label. It's not enough to just say, I'm going to be cautious. I'm going to let my defense give me a shot to win this game. Because as decent as Michigan State's defense is, if Michigan State's punting the ball and going three and out, three and out, three and out, this line's going to look really small by the third quarter. Okay. I, 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 the one thing about Michigan State, and I can't speak for Ohio State fans, the, and this is a thing I think should concern Michigan State. Ohio State will never look over Michigan State, at least in the last, like, in the next, like, 10 years. Like, that, when you talk about Michigan State with Ohio State fans, there's, like, some sort of reverence there because they're basically been the only – them and Penn State have been the only teams to really beat Ohio State during this incredible, like, 10-year run they've had since Urban got into Columbus. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to look over Michigan State. I think Fields is going to have a field day. No pun intended, but uh, uh, uh yeah, I know. Ha ha. And I find it hard to believe that Master T doesn't go for over 150. Like, I, I, I think Ohio State's offensive lines, like, and, and I think Michigan State's defensive lines played very well this year for what we thought they had coming into the year. And, and I think Michigan State's linebackers have played really well in recent weeks. And if Antoine Simmons is healthy, it, it, it's one of their best groups on the field. I think Noah Harvey's improved his play but i just think ohio state is just too talented and if they're able to run the football at an efficient rate which i think they will be i don't think this game's gonna be very close assuming master teague is even available yeah that's, we, that's there's the a thing. lot of we questions don't know about ohio who state. is available for ohio state i mean bro we know justin fields could have covid I yeah i feel like that i feel like that probably would have leaked by now if he was one of the positive uh cases for ohio state I would think that that would be something that Ohio state wouldn't be able to keep a secret, but um, I don't know. It's just, it matters hard. Do you think it matters? Like Ohio state's talent is like, and I'm not saying Michigan. It matters if they don't have Justin Fields. Yes. I would agree with that. But like, say like Alave's out or say like Master Teague is out. I don't think it matters that much. No, that doesn't matter that much. It matters as far as the, as far as Ohio State covering 24. Yes. But I mean, if. I think this line's only down too, if we get to kick. 
and they and, and you start finding out who's out. So I, I if you can get it at 24, I'll take it. But I, it's gonna be a hold your butt 24 because I, I I I and I'll start us off with the pick. I don't think this game is ever really that close. But Michigan State has played very hard this year, with the exception of, of Iowa. Like other than Iowa, they've re- like that Indiana game. They was awful on the offensive side of the football, but on the defensive side of football, they played very, very hard. And I think they'll do that this week. Michigan State always plays up for Ohio State for some reason. It's just they just have so many Ohio guys on that roster usually. So I, I'll pick Michigan State to cover, but it's going to be like Ohio State's up twenty-seven with like two minutes to go, and they bring in like Thorn, and maybe they score a touchdown late. I don't think this game's ever close. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I'm going to pick Michigan State for a different reason, though. I think that if if Michigan State can avoid the turnovers, even with Ohio State at full strength, Michigan State can avoid the turnovers. I don't think they get beat by 24 or more. I, I think Ohio State pretty easily wins, and they're, they're not going to have to be sweating it out um, in the fourth quarter. The one thing we do know is that Ryan Day won't be there, and Ohio yeah. State has yet to play – a game without their head coach on the sideline. And that's, I mean, there's something to be said for that. I mean, there's Ryan day is, you know, he's the captain at the controls of this machine that is Ohio state. And I think the Buckeyes win, but I think Michigan state because of the uncertainty and we don't know who's available personnel wise for Ohio state. I think it's the safe pick to pick Michigan state to cover 24, especially at home for the Spartans. Jordan Andrew. Our resident Ohio State fan. Man. Oh, man. Oh, Buckeyes I, wonder Stearns, I really wonder what Stearns is going to pick. Because Stearns me and him have picked the same way. We've gone the same way. Oh, he is. Ah, yes. Okay, well, he's not here. So, me and him have picked the same the entire time. Now he's gone. And I don't think he's going to – I think he'll pick Ohio State. So I'm going to pick Michigan State because I do think – but I also just do think Michigan State covers this line. It's, it feels like a lot of points. Um, it, but it, it could go so many ways. We just – once you know who's out for Ohio State, this line probably changes, right? Like Fields could end up not playing. And Ooh. I just think that uh, – Before – I don't mean to interrupt you, Joe. Who are you picking, Stearns, Michigan State or Ohio State? Oh, yeah. Sorry, my internet had a massive seizure and I had to jump on my phone. I There's too many knowns for uh, too many unknowns. I, I'm i along the same lines as Collins, but 20 is a, 24 is a lot. I'm going to pick MSU to cover. I, you, you don't know. You don't know. At so, that point, I'm going to I'm I'm going to take Michigan State. So are you changing your pick now, Joe? Oh, yeah. This is scummy. I mean, I don't like yeah. this. I don't like it. I mean, the integrity of the pick on is this. Yeah. Like, well, hey, I mean, if I'm being honest, your gut, State. Joe, who do you think it's going to cover? I don't care about the pick. Ohio State. Okay, fine. There you go. I'll, I'm happy with he that. Just, he's, say, he's just saying that. No. I mean, you the know me, Doc, as well as anybody. You know, I was a, Yeah, and I, I know up. that when it comes to the SRZ pick you have no integrity. That's what I know. Uh, got a bike, if I'm being honest, I don't know if I have a lot of integrity. So. <laughs> well, oh, jeez. It's <laughs> a bold thing to say. But I mean, like like we always have, and I mentioned it earlier. I listened to Eric Bach and Nathan Stearns for the majority of that second half last weekend against Northwestern. You guys crushed it. Um, J- uh, Eric, tell the people how they can listen to you guys this Saturday. 
We'll be back. It's me and Zach Serdenic this week. Nathan's Nathan's off this week, or Nathan will be there I'm just in a write in a writing capacity. Um, so myself and Zach will be on. Uh, it's a noon kick, so we'll be on around eleven forty a.m. eighty-eight point nine FM, the Lansing area. Impact eighty nine FM dot org slash listen live to listen anywhere you have access to the internet. Which is, were you listening on the FM or the stream, Collins? Because oh no, you were on the stream because you're at home. Yes. It was okay. great. Yeah, I, I was. I was. I, I, you guys are. I and I love Blaha, and I love. I mean, Strayhorn is hard to listen to. I'm not like trying to rat. He's just. I don't know. I'm not gonna go any further with that. Blaha's great, but whatever. Um, you guys crush it. If you guys want it like professional and just like actually like logical, like speaking, <laughs> I, I would listen to you guys. That's just what I'm saying. Joe, thank you. Uh, Joe's at the state news stuff. Been yes, crushing yeah. it. Yeah, look for uh, look for some, you know, obviously content. I'm not gonna plug my Twitter or anything. Just statenews.com. All their all of our football yeah, coverage will be down there when we post this episode. So they'll, they'll see it. But yeah, yeah. But um, are you going? Are you are you gonna be able to go to the game this weekend? Or I am. I am. I'm gonna be on the all clear. Credentials all approved. You know, you I mean, go. medically. I mean, medically, I'm supposed to be fine. I was told. So there you Pretty go. Good. Love to see that, but yeah, keep it so, locked with look us. For, hey, look for the column. Yeah, look for the column. Slash football. Forward slash football. Yeah, I, I, Joe, I think I need to get like one of those state news, like the actual newspapers, not the online version, so I can, I can cut out your little headshot, like in the, you know what I'm saying, like the little clip, and then just put it on. Yeah, my, hey, well, no, the next print edition, there, I will have a column in there with my face on it, so okay. and the last one too. So that's print edition. I'll get you a copy. I'll get you a copy. That's, Next episode of SRZ, I'll have a print edition so I can show you. How about that? And it was, and it's Joe's, Joe's uh, cheese face. and uh, shot. Yes. He goes, I like Joe. Hey, I like Joe's headshot. Go, <laughs> so do I. It's, it's so it's it's so Joe that it's it's great. That was just yeah. a, a backhand compliment right there, Eric Bach. It's not so, a backhand oh, compliment. We'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was not a backhanded compliment. Yeah. Okay. No, okay. it was. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I I think at that point we probably should end the show. But I mean, Good idea. If you're following us already, if you're finding us on Twitter, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Transistor, anywhere you really find podcasts, we're at. So keep following us there. We got a lot of written content on WDBM website, sports. Keep it locked in for Stearns' written piece. I'm sure it's gonna be thorough. I not a lot of people know a lot about offensive line and defensive line play. He'll break that down for you in his recap of the game and column maybe, but yeah, keep it locked in with us for Ryan Collins, Eric Bott, Joseph Dandron, and Nathan Stearns. We'll see you guys next week. I hope everyone has a nice weekend.